Hey everyone and welcome back to the Live Big Podcast. I'm Caitlin Carver, your host, and today we're going to be talking about a sutra called Nidra. Now some of you may have heard of the class Yoga Nidra. Nidra in Sanskrit means sleep, but this actually is more about being awake within sleep. So that can sound a little bit confusing, but let's dive into it. So the class Yoga Nidra is actually one of those yoga classes that not many people know about. And um, the people that do know about it either love it or hate it. (laughs) Because it is one of those classes that's really all about being in a meditative state, being completely aware of your body while you are in a very restful place. So it can actually be called a conscious state of rest almost like meditation but fully focus on the body and so we have all these nadis that actually run through the body and um, uh, they are what kind of penetrate that that pranic energy through the body and when we are more aware of how that energy is moving then we can actually start to shift it right so the first step to any any of these practices is just being aware so this sutra is really interesting because it's more about being aware of what your where your thoughts are and what your energy is when you are in a conscious rest when you are in a restful space so in the bhagavad gita it says whatever is the night of all beings in that the yogi is awake whatever all beings are awake in that is the night for the yogi who sees Right. So it's almost like an opposite side of consciousness. It's like everything else that is actionable and external starts to become kind of foreign to you because you start to see it from a very objective space. Um, like I just notice like a lot of the things that I watch now, like if I, if I watch like a violent film, which I don't usually do, but if I do, it, it starts to become like, I'm actually watching more how the people are acting or like what's like why people are acting the way they are and like kind of how silly it is and that type of thing because you're more separated from the story so it's kind of like that like actually seeing what's happening from from like a bird's eye view type of thing and when everybody's kind of caught up in this this struggle or in their daily lives uh, the yogi who is more aware of their energy and more aware of how they're reacting and feeling all day long is actually going to be seeing things from a more objective stance. Now, that can also come with struggles when we are spiritually awake, right? As we talk about how spiritual awakening can sometimes seem like it's a very zen process, very, oh, you're very relaxed, you're very calm. Well, when you're going through that journey, it can be very um, jarring. It can be very life-altering in not a, a great way because a lot of your th- situations that you have set up for yourself in your life start to deteriorate or change or implode because you are starting to see them in a different way and then that changes your perception and then that changes where you are actually going. So it's going to try and shift you onto a different path. And so when we go through that state of... Um, construction or destruction right we are having to go through this really uncomfortable change and 
friends change, people start to see you differently, you start to see them differently, um, you might lose friends, you might lose people, you might lose family, you might have to, sh- have to ch- shift uh, your, your um, friendship contracts, that type of thing, like, the, you know, the not like actual contracts, but these non-verbal, non-tangible uh, connections to people, they change as well, and that can be very Pain, a very painful process for someone to go through. I know a lot of people that go through spiritual awakenings that are really lonely because they, you know, even though they found this space within them where they can be really, really joyful um, and they can deal with loneliness, there are times where, you know, you almost want to go back to being oblivious to things um, because life's a lot easier that way when you're not aware of the pain and destruction that goes on in the world and you're not aware, so much aware of like, um, you're not as wise. Like you don't want to be that wise sometimes because you don't want to take responsibility for other people or like see that they're kind of running their lives wrong or like, you know, you don't want to know what happens to animals when they go to slaughterhouses. Like these are the things that a lot of people don't take Uh, awareness of because it's easy to do that it's very it makes your life easier and then once you go through that spiritual awakening process is coming back to a place of balance and like knowing that you don't have to take on all the world's pain like that's not going to actually help you in your life as much right like there's a balance there that we have to find and come back to so that you can actually can live your life with a sense of ease and joy and not taking on everybody's um, energy and feeling that empathy, empathy for everybody. Um, and just knowing that everybody else is on their own journey too, right? It's not your responsibility to take it on. So there's a lot to the sutra. Once again, every sutra has, there's just so many different sides to it. Um, and also that feeling of lonely, right? Like, uh, whatever all beings are awakened, that is the night for the yogi who sees, so it's like what, wherever everybody else is, it's kind of like a darkness for you because it's the opposite. Like you almost don't understand how they're living anymore because your, your perception has shifted. So we spend about one third of our life sleeping for the purpose of resting our body and mind. But too much or too little sleep can cause nervousness, sloth, Uh, respectively and both are obstacles to yoga so through sleep and meditation um, it may appear the same on the outside deep dreamless sleep is heavy and unconscious while deliberately meditating inwardly is alert and conscious so this is what I'm talking about a conscious rest and when you can actually have a conscious rest your cortisol levels actually lower by 30 percent which is 10% lower than being in an unconscious rest of sleep. So the lower the cortisol levels, the more relaxed your body is and the deeper of a theta meditation you can actually go into. There are four sleep states, wakefulness, dream sleep, dreamless sleep, and beyond. Wakefulness when our attention is projected outward is considered a state of sleep since true awakening happens only when our attention is focused inwards. Yeah, so that's when we talk about people who are not spiritual, 
on a spiritual path or a spiritual journey, like awakening, because they are going through their daily life in a very uh, non-mindful way and not really understanding uh, why they feel certain things or why they, they don't even think about it. You know, it's not even, it doesn't even come up for them. Um, and that's their journey, right? Like that's where their spirit is wanting to go in this lifetime at this point. So we have to honor that as well. Um, so the Bhagavad Gita, I don't know what people say, the Bhagavad Gita <laughs> Uh, verse above implies that whatever a living being does not see the inner light of awareness the yogi can and whatever a living being does see the yogi does not see and is not distracted by those so here a yogi is one who practices uh, the samyama which is the turning your intention inwards in dream sleep lots of activity is taking place in our heart mind based upon our thoughts and emotions earlier that day and upon our previous memories so when harmful vrittis occur so experiences during this unconscious sleep state they can tarnish the psyche and affect our behavior in the future so dream sleep is similar to yet different from the initial stages of turning inwards and training our heart mind to focus on a single point is done consciously and deliberately even as those pesky vrittis do their best to distract our attention dream sleep also involves the noise of thoughts and feelings dancing around in our heads yet it is completely unconscious so that's kind of the issue that i i have with dreams and something that kind of holds me back from this idea that our dreams are trying to teach us something now i'm sure there is something to that there might be a higher power trying to teach you something through your dreams but for me because of this yoga mindset dreams are an unconscious state of rest that means your brain is still working it's still running and you're not necessarily unplugged right now when you are in a very deep sleep or in a lighter sleep when you're actually dreaming so that means that um, you're not in a restful space to actually receive the right messages because your brain is still turned on so it's it's kind of one of those debatable things where um, when you are in a meditative state, in a conscious rest, that's when messages can actually start to be received in the heart instead of the mind. So you'll notice when people who are have had these spiritual messages, spiritual awakenings, and create and actually received or downloaded messages through their meditation, that they feel them more than hear them or see them now yes there are people who would hear them and see them i've heard certain things and envision certain things but the impactful part of this is the feeling that occurs when that message is received and it is received in the heart the mind is used as a tool to download but it is mainly resonates within the heart the mind is like turned way down in meditation and when you're actually downloading a message from the universe it's turned almost all the way off at that point 
So this whole idea of downloading uh, lessons from dreams when you're asleep is a little bit iffy to me just because of this sutra, this thought process as well, okay? So deep sleep is similar yet different from samadhi, right? Um, Samadhi is the last limb of yoga. So this is that higher consciousness of meditation and being, uh, being fully connected to that higher power, that higher power of universal energy. And um, not like 100%, obviously, like we can tap into it from time to time if we meditate enough, right, and download certain things. But deep sleep is restful to the body and calming to the heart-mind, yet deep sleep is unconscious and involuntary, whereas samadhi is conscious and voluntary. So when you're choosing to rest, you get a deeper rest. And you could even apply that to a nap. You actually can. Even though that is more that is an unconscious sleep, you if you take a proactive cat nap during the day, you're choosing to rest and the body will incorporate that. So um, the cheetah is enveloped by darkness and the seer within witnesses blackness. This, in samadhi, the cheetah, which is your heart-mind consciousness, is clear and filled with light, sattva, which allows us to experience our pure inner light of awareness. The fourth sleep state is not even a sleep state per se. It is beyond sleep. The heart-mind are utterly and completely still. We are not even aware that full awareness is occurring. Nidra can also mean sleepiness, and in the sutras, it is indeed described as heavy and dulling. So sleepiness is helpful if we are naturally tired and then get the rest that our body and mind require. But if you are at a meeting or you're supposed to be attentive and you nod off in the middle and miss some important information, then sleepiness is not good for you. And in, in the same way, if you sit to meditate and end up falling asleep, then you cannot go as deeply inwards as if you were completely alert. So we obviously, that's why we need sleep, right? Is to find this balance that we require, the yin and the yang to, to everything in our lives consciously remembering and focusing on the calmness we experience during sleep can clarify the heart mind and affect that state in it exposing ourselves to happy and easy to digest impressions will reduce nightmares and promote pleasant dreams which in turn will exert a positive influence on our everyday thoughts and emotions so what would it be like this is a question for you what would it be like for you what do you think it would be like if you were actually training your limbic system right it's almost like you want to unplug the computer and reset the data it's like we're updating our software within the body and maybe you don't connect to that idea but there's truly this this entire limbic system within the body and computers are actually based off of that limbic system I just watched an interview with Elon Musk and that's exactly what he talks about is how social media and how the brain of any computer is actually a projection of your limbic system. That's all it is. It's, it's taking inventory of how humans react to certain things, what their basic needs are, what their fears are, what their worries are, how, what triggers them to feel happy or joyful or get that 
dose of adrenaline, that is what a computer essentially is. So it's a projection of your limbic system that lives inside your body. And that's exactly what we're doing with meditation is we're rewiring that. We're rewiring how the mind works and the heart so that you can actually get up and go throughout your day in a totally different way, a higher level of consciousness throughout your day. And you'll notice when you're not working on this because you will feel totally drained, no energy to give anybody, right? And so meditation, like a lot of people who ask me, like they're just starting out on their spiritual journey and they want to know more. You know, maybe they took their level one in Reiki or they're just starting on their yoga path and they ask me a lot. Uh, They want to know just like, it's a very general question, right? Um, how can I know more? (laughs) And that's a very vague, very big question. But the first thing that I say is meditation is your key to moving forward. It really is. And it's necessary. Like it's a requirement for your spiritual journey because it allows us time for reflection. And that's what being spiritual is all about. It's just about reflecting on who you are, where you're at in your life, and how you can be better. That's all it is. That's really at the, at the core of it. That's what it's about is bettering ourselves so that we can um, kind of have some soul development happen within this lifetime. Um, because that's essentially, especially in the yogi's mind, why we're here is to learn and develop our souls so that we can keep elevating within each lifetime. We keep elevating our spiritual consciousness. And then there's this whole other idea that the the spiritual consciousness is already being lifted within this generation. It's being changed once again. Um, And each generation that moves through kind of spiritually elevates it now whether that is going through like darkness or lightness or whatever like spiritual evolution and elevation is all about the yin and the yang the darkness and the light so when we're talking about this all experiences that come into your life that are going to mold your soul that's going to give you lessons and all these different things so that you can spiritually evolve but what the yoga sutras do is it allows you to move through those lessons and through those experiences at an elevated level <clears throat> to understand that you can always use any darkness for conscious elevation, for learning a learning empowerment situation or to rise above and disconnect from, um, to know that like, There's nothing to be fearful from. So whenever we can unplug our computer, we can come back, you know, to the heart and and, um, quiet the mind and come into a place where everything is flowing once again. And if we talk about manifestation, you know, my, my teacher, Gabrielle Bernstein, talks about manifestation a lot. And I know there's a lot of debate around manifestation and the law of attraction and all this stuff because the law of attraction makes it sound like it is a law, you know, because they call it a law, so it must be true. Well, this is the way I see it. The universe 
wants you to be happy. And it will always work in your favor. That's, that's my opinion. The universe will always step up and work in your favor. But what does that mean? That means that it's answering to what you are putting out, right? So whatever you are putting out into the world, consciously or subconsciously, and I'm talking about like energy, not necessarily, I mean, actions speak loud, but energy speaks and vibration speaks loud to communicate communicate with the energy around you, right? And so we have to be real with what and honest with what we actually are projecting and what we are putting out there um, because the universe reacts to that and then says, oh, she wants this or, you know, so if somebody is kind of like always gossiping about other people and they get a high off of gossiping and they feel that they connect to other people because they have lots of things to say about other people then the universe says, oh, this person likes drama. This person wants drama. You know, doesn't say it like that, but you know what I mean. Like the energy reacts that way. She wants drama, so give her something to talk about. You know, and then those people walk around saying like, oh, my life is so hectic. Uh, So much stuff going on all the time. And they like that. They would never admit that, but they like that. And so that's what I'm talking about, being honest and real with yourself. And coming back to this, Sutra, it's all about being aware of why you're attracting certain people and certain situations into your life. <clears throat> so, I, you know, whenever I see somebody attracting amazing experiences into their life I start to take note of what they're doing and also what energy they're bringing to what they're doing and that's what I'm when we talk about dharma the Bhagavad Gita also talks about dharma in this way of um you know there's lots of stories in the Bhagavad Gita so (laughs) in a roundabout way it's it's um trying to communicate that our dharma is not what we do right it's not our job so that's why when people some people ask who are you that question can be really difficult to answer because it's not what you do it's how you do it that's what dharma is How do you show up? How are you meant to show up? And can you get there? So it really doesn't matter what you're doing right now. It doesn't matter if you're not in the right job or you're not not in in your mind you feel that you're not fulfilling what you're supposed to be here to do. Um... Yes, you need to be happy and you need to feel, feel fulfilled. But Dharma is about how do you show up with what you're doing right now. And I think that's what really changed my mindset about Dharma. Because <clears throat> when I had my, my spiritual awakening, my first one, um, when I was doing a lot of kundalini yoga and a lot of meditation, I was meditating for six hours a day. I know that sounds crazy, <laughs> but I... 
I'm one of those people, if I find something I like, I, I just dive in 100%. I want to know every, everything about it. So meditation, I got kind of a glimpse into it, and that's a whole other story. But I guess I could tell you like how I first started to get into meditation. And it was, I actually went to a floating tank. And if you haven't tried a floating tank, they're amazing. Um, I tried it like quite a while ago. I think that was like five years ago. Um, and that was when they weren't really popular. And I went to this really like, I lived in this area like by Marta Loop in, in a city called Calgary, if you know it. Um, and they had this really old school tank. And I, for some reason, like wanted to try it. And, um, uh, what they do is it's like all this salt, a lot of salt, a lot of magnesium, like 12 tons of salt or something crazy like that. And you get in and, um, you're, you're floating and you can't, like, you can barely push your hand down in the water because there's so much salt in it. Um, and your head won't tilt, like you could fall asleep in there and your head will still be upright you know, your face will be upright. So there's no way that you could even turn your head or anything. And then they desensitize you. So they put like earplugs in, it's completely pitch black in there. So for the first half, half an hour, your mind's kind of racing because there's so much noise in your mind. And yet you're in this space of like complete darkness and quiet. And, uh, so the first 30 minutes are kind of difficult and your mind doesn't want to shut off. But then after that 30 minutes, I swear it's, it's almost immediate. You're, it, it's like a button's pushed and everything shuts off. And that for me was like this moment of like, I have never, ever felt my body feel this way. I've never, I've never felt what it, I've never felt what it feels like to turn my mind off completely so it was like one of those moments of like this is a totally new thing (laughs) for me um so I got really into it um and I started floating all the time and then after that I just wanted to try and do meditation at home and then I really got into it again and yeah, and then I got into kundalini yoga and a lot of breath work that took me even deeper and deeper and deeper. And I think it was just working with my naughty so much and I was working with the chakras so much that a lot of stuff started to awaken in me. And also, before this happened, I, I drained my adrenal system when I was 26. And when you drain your adrenal system, everything shuts down in the body. Like, I'm not saying like your heart stops, but like your like your body turns off physically to the point where it's like you're in a body coma. Like you can't move as much as you'd want to. Like you need adrenaline just to blink your eyes. So if you don't have a lot of adrenaline, it takes effort to eat. It takes effort to digest. It takes effort to open your mouth and say something to someone. It takes effort to walk, right? So I was resting for 20 hours a night. I would get up for maybe three or four hours a day, try and go to work and do something and go back home and sleep. And this lasted for a full year for me. Like I was out, it was a very frustrating process for me, um, especially being 26 and like knowing that all my friends are out, you know, partying and doing what they want to do. And I feel like I should be able to do that. But 
it was a humbling experience and it was an experience that changed my life for the better. So obviously I'm so grateful for that. Um, and it gets me emotional because like, I wouldn't be the person that I am today if I didn't go through that. Um, but what it did was it actually ended up closing my chakras completely. Like I couldn't feel anything. Like the only thing that I could feel was like helplessness. And that was really rare. Like I, I, I couldn't even feel sad for myself half the time because I couldn't, I, I truly believe that I didn't have enough adrenaline to feel emotions. Like that's how messed up that time was. And, um, that's what hurts me the most about it was that I lost any feeling for life. Like I just didn't care. I didn't care about anyone or anything. I didn't care about my family. I didn't care about making friends. I didn't, it was one of those moments where it was like, maybe if you've been, if you've struggled with depression and you've been on antidepressants and you, you have taken them for a really long time, it's kind of like that where you just get up and you like, just try to move about your day, but nothing means anything. Like there's no point to anything because you're not, you're not experiencing it and you're not feeling it. So it's like your body just like numbs everything. So that was really scary for me because I, I couldn't even feel like a sense of love for like my dog or my mom or my brother. Like I just, I couldn't do it. Like I just didn't care anymore. And for that time, like I probably did come off as a little selfish maybe because I, I just didn't have the capacity to show empathy or start a conversation with anybody or even f- understand. Like if you can't feel something, you can't even be in a space of awareness to feel anything. And that's why the awareness that step one is like so important for me because like I'm like if I'm if I start to become aware of something it like penetrates me to my core (laughs) because I'm like this is what feeling this is what experiencing things are so anyway so I I truly believe that might be why my feelings are like so sensitive now but when I was going through my my spiritual awakening in this meditation process and again everything this is why I come back to like everything happens for a reason because <laughs> this changed me when I when I drained my adrenal system and then I, I I helped to heal myself through Ayurvedic medicine and like cut out alcohol cut out meat cut out like tons of stuff um for a full year and then I came back and then I started meditating getting into yoga like never before and doing lots of kundalini and that started to awaken my senses like all of a sudden everything I felt like every sense of my body was dead and then when I started to come into meditation and kundalini yoga like everything started to awaken and I think that's why I probably got so addicted to it for for some time because I could start to feel things through meditation again I'm sorry, I'm get, I get really emotional about this because this time in my life was like, I'm getting really into this now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, I, like my chakras just started to awaken and 
uh, I could feel things again. And so I was like becoming really aware of what I was feeling. Um, and then when I started to have that kundalini rising that we talk about in that spiritual awakening process where the chakras start to open like it was almost like every time I started to meditate or kundalini yoga I was like clearing something out and reawakening it and then there was just this moment you know I had been doing it for five months and then there was this moment of like all my chakras aligned it was almost like this huge burst of energy went through my chakras and up my spine to the top of my head. And I just, I felt it throughout my entire body. And for somebody who hasn't experienced this or maybe doesn't even know about this, this sounds crazy. Totally, I get it. It sounds nuts. Like when it was happening to me, I felt crazy. I felt like I just didn't understand what was going on in my body. I felt, I didn't know if other people had felt this way. Um, I actually ended up buying this book years later that's called, uh, yeah, it's called Kundalini Rising, Exploring the Energy of Awakening. And uh, that book talks about like going through a spiritual awakening with the Kundalini Rising. And I just had this, this feeling, it was like an outburst of like every single feeling you could ever feel at once in your entire life, like any, any feeling, anger, like extreme anger, extreme joy, extreme sadness, extreme gratitude, um, extreme nostalgia, forgiveness. The ultimate one for me was forgiveness because like, I think what started for me was the forgiveness portion of being able to forgive myself for a lot of things that I had done. And that allowed me to forgive everybody else as well that I had been holding resentment to. So that changed me. And I didn't realize it at the time what was happening, but looking back, I, I do understand kind of what was happening with my nervous system and what was happening with my nadis and my chakras because I was doing all of this breath work and I was doing a lot of meditation and allowing my mind to rest. And, you know, it all works together. So... The universe kind of conspired for me to be in this safe place where I could have this spiritual awakening at that time and fully dive deep. And I was also doing another yoga teacher training at that time. So I was in a yoga bubble with other people for seven months and not a lot of like needing contact with the outside world. Like it, it, it was this very comfortable bubble for me to be able to do this. So uh, yeah, and then once that happened, I was, I really um, started to appreciate every feeling, whether it was good or bad. I was just like grateful to be able to feel whatever it was. That was amazing. Um, and then talking about like manifestation, right, with the universe and what it allows for you to have. Uh, if you ask for it and if you're like putting it out there energetically, um, I truly believe that I manifested my adrenal uh, system to collapse because I told myself like I didn't want to feel anymore. There was a time in my life where I didn't want to feel anything anymore and I was drinking a lot. I was partying a lot. I was trying to numb myself through 
other things and not appreciating what I had to have in my life, not appreciating anything and not being mindful of anything. And so that resonated with the energy around me. (laughs) And I truly believe that as well. So coming back to my point, being honest and aware of what you're putting out there and what energy you're showing up with because you will get what you ask for. And um, I'm a true believer in that. That, that. that idea has basically framed how I go about life and also has allowed me to make peace with a lot of what has happened in my life as well. What I've decided to explore throughout this life you know um but then again as they say you know being wise in your teenage years is not a whole lot of fun so you know we can't be perfect we can't be like totally mature in our younger years and um, we have to experience these things and make mistakes and we have to uh, that's how we learn you know and so I just like honor and accept every single part of me and um and choose to uh, really appreciate where I'm at. But even today, like my emotions are always so high now. <laughs> like I just feel everything and um, I kind of allow myself to feel everything as well. Like I don't, I don't see being sensitive as a weakness anymore. Like when I was growing up, I did see uh, that as a weakness and so I didn't want to cry or I didn't want to show anybody that I was... Um, angry or anything like that you know I thought it was a weakness so um, now it's like I totally embrace that and I think we all could be just a little bit more sensitive to things and I when I talk about being emotional I don't want to say emotional because I think that kind of talks more about like being reactionary to things and I, I don't I don't see myself as being reactionary I'm very calm in that sense now but I I'm very empathetic and that's something that sometimes I have to rein in because I feel so much for other people and I can't, like when I'm talking about that part of it it's like I can't take on everybody's pain I can't take on their stories or their journeys because it's not mine to take on and if I do that that's going to deteriorate me to some extent as well so that's another lesson to just be mindful of like how we are taking on other people's stuff you know we don't always have to do that to to be there for somebody just being present is enough you don't have to always take other people's stuff on you know and yet again we've gotten through a lot Um, with this sutra but these sutras this is why I love talking about them because there's they they only may be like two pages long but there is a story within each one that we can apply to ourselves and that we can apply to our life in the future and in the present like how do you want to show up what is your dharma in that way like how do you want to show up today? Um, and that's the most powerful intention to wake up with. And A Course in Miracles, if you've, if you've read it or taken it, one of, the, um, one of the prayers for the morning is to actually wake up and say, 
where would you have me be? Um, what would you have me do? And what would you have me say? And to whom? What miracles would you have me perform today? And that's like a very mindful way of waking up to know that you are in service to the world, um, but to be led and guided to how you can serve instead of thinking that it's all up to you. Like you're a conduit for miracles to occur. And I truly believe that. I, I believe that we are a universal, like the universe came to life in physical form through us so that it could experience itself. So we are the universe, but we are, we are like a gift from the universe so that we can actually start to experience everything that the universe has created. Right? <laughs> which is also a really deep idea, and I get that, but I, it makes me feel just blessed to be alive. And I think we, we don't feel that enough. Like, it's hard to feel that, I guess, sometimes, because we get so caught up in our own stuff. Like, what, where am I going in my life? What am I going to do with my life? Or like, what are my kids doing? I'm not, I'm not being a good mom or I got wrapped up in this or I need to do better. Like all these different things that we get wrapped up in and we don't take time to step away and say, how do I want to experience this today? Because that's the point of it. Um, maybe you don't want to, the other thing too is like, sometimes I don't want to think about things all the time. Like, yeah, it's not, it's, it's hard (laughs) to constantly, and sometimes draining to constantly be aware and mindful of things, um, and like experiences and grateful for experiences. And sometimes you just want to be a part of it and just go and not think about it too much. Right. And I think that that's a really great point because we need to be in balance, Um, and I'm coming back to that place of balance in my life now where it's like, I just want to have fun. I want to enjoy things. I want to go out there and just experience things and not be like so, um, analytical about things. You know, I just want to experience them sometimes as well. But if you do enough self work, you'll be able to show up for those experiences in a mindful way without really... (laughs) thinking about it too much um so it just changes and rewires how you show up in the world and uh helps you to think about what is your dharma ultimately um and if you don't understand it or you don't know uh what your dharma is like how you want to show up or like how you want to feel in life or how what you want to experience in life then maybe that's something to just take in right now and just like understand that maybe you've never thought about it and maybe it's something to think about and that's it. Just the awareness of it. So um, a few thoughts just to end. Uh, Deep dreamless sleep is restful yet unconscious. Meditation is restful and conscious. I can protect and cherish the time I set aside for deep restful sleep. I will continue to meditate when I am alert and awake and not when I am tired and sleepy. 
And so during the day, maybe take a moment to focus on the inner light of awareness instead of all the sights, sounds, and other sensations of the outside world. And keep reminding yourself that the pure, radiant inner world is what connects us all. And think of ways that you can prevent yourself from falling asleep during meditation, like choosing a better time of day to meditate or making sure you're not tired beforehand. And compare compare how you feel so when you wake up from sleep to how you feel after a long session of meditation and maybe write down what you remember about your sleep versus your meditation i think that's a great point um some people keep dream journals and you'll notice how crazy your dreams are like they make no sense they make no sense especially if you've eaten something over bed, like craziest dreams ever. How can we learn from those dreams? We can't. Like they don't make any sense. They are uh, projections from the past a lot of the time. People are showing up in our dreams that like we don't even have in our lives anymore. Like it's almost like your, your brain is just like out of control and it's just going on this like haywire roller coaster and like sending you all these deep thoughts and and that's why sometimes when I wake up in the morning, I feel like totally heavy and like not in a good mood because I've had this dream that totally makes me feel sad or makes me feel like not good. Um, and then I have to like meditate or take a cold shower or like do something to change, shift that energy. Um, and so the more we meditate and go into that conscious state of rest, we can actually clear out those thoughts and quiet the mind first. And that's why meditating before bed is good. But if you keep a dream journal versus a meditation journal, you can actually see between the two how the brain is working. And that's pretty cool too, to actually map out how your brain works in meditation versus how your brain works when it's in a sleep state. So lots to take on. Um, I hope this serves you. And if you have anything to ask me or you want to talk about like anything else that I do, um, right now I have a 10-day Reiki session um, campaign that's out right now. It's f- totally free. And um, it's just 10 free Reiki sessions that you can have by proxy. They're distant Reiki sessions. Um, I am a Reiki master. And uh, I also do some spiritual coaching, only a little bit. Um, And I also have a yoga retreat that's coming up in October, October 10th to 15th. And that retreat is sold out right now. But you can go to anandayogaretreats.com. And I just feel really blessed for my community. Thank you so much for supporting me. Um, This podcast has kind of taken off you know, better than I thought it would, I guess I, I'll say. And also my community on YouTube. You can find me on YouTube at Ananda Kate. That's C-A-I-T. And um, yeah, just thank you so much for supporting me. And um, it really warms my heart. Like when I hear people comment or give me feedback and like I always hear good things. So that's always awesome to hear. And um Yeah, I'm just really grateful. I'm really grateful. Have a beautiful day, and um, we'll talk to you next week.